going to come up. Uh, we were all, in case some of you got here a little bit late, we were all in a heavy prayer session today about 12 o'clock. They took a video of it. Uh, I was in my barefoot. No, I had on the. And Eric was in a sweat. Ash. And many people were quite willing. So it was a lot of fun. We like to have fun here. So. Father, we just thank you for Eric. We thank you for what you've You guys hear me? Yeah, as uh, <clears throat> Eric shared, um, well, back up. I'm from Oregon, and uh, the weather we're having today, the, the storm of the decade, is like an average day where I'm from. Like in Troutdale, which is like 30 minutes east of Portland, it's in the gorge, it is sustained like 30 mile an hour winds with rain all the time. And it's like pandemonium here, panic. So, um, anyways, I'm like, <laughs> this is. From the decade, we're in great shape. And don't look at the weather back east because I mean, everyone else is like covered in snow and it's like negative 100. So, anyways, we have it good here, but um, apparently a lot of people are afraid of the storm. So, we can pray for their fear tonight and maybe, no. Um, but I'm excited to share uh, just the end of this series about um, examining the heart. And I'm excited. Uh, one just because uh, this is kind of the end of also the year, and I don't know if I, I talked about this last year. And no one knew what our, our theme this year was, apparently. Um, for being a guy that's like really all about vision, I, I probably did a poor job of communicating what the last year, past year's vision was, which was to redeem If you look back at our different, amen right there. Um, if you look back at some of our topics, whether it was healings, whether it was sin, whether it was women in ministry, whether it was the prophetic, whether it was the hijacked persona and perceptions of God, all the things we looked at this past year were about redeeming truth. And that will be, continue to be a, a topic in an area that I, I'm passionate about, but I'm excited to share when we come back next And it's going to be incredible. We have a lot of new things coming. We have, um, we have a brand new website, which is primo, primo, primo. We have a full app. We have incredible resources. We're going to do some facelifting, um, figuratively, not literally. Um, though I wouldn't mind it, maybe. But the important thing is to be around for next year. Because if you want to see us act globally, that is. So, Jesus, we just close this year and just acknowledge you are the ultimate. We thank you for amazing you are. And Lord, as we Turn our eyes to this final message. Examine in the heart. Just ask that be glorified. God, we just ask for wisdom and live powerful. So last week I talked um, about the trapping of the heart. 
And I talked specifically about how the heart is like the source of where a lot of us find what God is saying, what God is doing, and what we think. And we, we use terms of like, oh, I just, I feel it in my heart, or my heart is saying, or it was confirmed in my heart, or you're in my heart. You know, how's your heart, brother? You know, we, we use these, these things all surrounding the heart. And I usually, when I, I feel God speak to me, I feel like a pining, a, a yearning, if you will, like in my heart. And, but there's a troubling thing is that there's a passage, Jeremiah 17, it says, the heart seats above all things. Who can understand? The heart is deceitful above all things. I shared last week how some of the best decisions of my life were following my heart. And some of the worst decisions of my life were following my heart. But no one took me to the scriptures to show me that, yes, while God speaks to your heart, he's He's also aware that there's also other things speaking to your heart. And that we have to be aware that we need to not take everything as the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And I talked about the different triggers or the different signs for at least me. I shared a story of how I was in college and I had like a really tough time. And so I wanted to move and I wanted to go back home. I wanted to do these different things. And so uh, I've, I've made many bad decisions in my life, usually at the helm of, I feel my heart wants to do this. And so I, I gave a whole bunch of, of indicators. First was that there was a coincidence that there's something that spurs or inspires you, like you're reacting to something. The second was that your mind is made up. Anytime your mind is made up about anything, there's reason for pause. The third is that you believe there's only one solution. Lies want to trap you into only one way out. The fourth was that the rationale is complicated and lengthy. You can determine a lie by how long it takes to understand it, and it usually gets more complex and and difficult to understand the longer you examine it. There's also an unusual sense of urgency. Why is this now? Right now. Anytime someone's like, it has to be today. It has to be right now. It's pause. The reason to pause and ask your heart. And finally was to over-spiritualize the Where you hijack the voice of God and says, God said this. And you effectively um, shut down all communication, all dialogue about it. And those are my own personal symptoms when my heart is lying. So what does the Bible say about how should we make good decisions in the presence of a heart that can lie to you? So if we know those might be the signs, how can we be sure that as we seek God that we don't get fooled? How do we seek God and have backups and procedures and and a mindset that says, I'm going to, yes, follow God, but I'm also going to have examination. I'm also going to have things. You guys ready? So the first is to balance wisdom with revelation. Balance wisdom with revelation. Revelation is basically hearing from God, feeling like the, an inspiration from Jesus. And of course, if you're like me, most of us, like we, we feel that inspiration come from our hearts. And the strongest desires of our heart are usually coinciding with the strongest desires of God. But how do we know the difference? Because this, God has given us a counterpart to revelation that feel in our heart. He's given us a second component to it. He has never designed us to solely rely on our heart. He's never designed us to solely rely on revelation. The scriptures say we have been given a spirit of wisdom. Ephesians 1.17. I pray that God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now there are two extremes here. Wisdom and revelation. The first is people who exclusively rely on revelation hear from God and exclusively rely on revelation to decide their path 
life. And if you exclusively rely on revelation, your heart, to guide your entire life, you will probably, A, be over-spiritual, but more importantly, too, your life probably won't function that way. Because you'll become so spiritual that you actually become practical. It is possible to be so spiritual you can't be practical. I'm going to tip my hat to Havilah Cunnington, the first person that brought me that truth, and it just blew my mind. That as you seek revelation, you, yes, Jesus, what are you saying? But also with this counterpart of wisdom of God, what is prudent, what is wise, what is And you also can have the opposite. That you can only have the here and now. You can only have the wisdom. You only can have the, the, the knowledge. And never seek revelation. Never seek what God is saying. And you'll become so practical that you never can be spiritual. You have these two extremes, and and the truth lies in the balance. I've given you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know, Jesus, when he sent the people out, he's like, I have given you my Holy Spirit. Go out, change the world, do awesome things. But you know what else he also said? Matthew 10, it says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be wise as snakes and innocent as doves. God never designed you to forsake wisdom for the sake of and that's a hard thing is that I feel amazing things in my heart is I just want to like leap and go all for it, you know, and just like, who cares about wisdom? We're all in this. Let's go like it's splashed by trucks, you know, like it, it occurred to me today in the middle of this enormous like 300 foot puddle, we're out there. Um, all of us are, well, I actually wasn't, but everyone else was freezing. We're knee deep in water, holding signs, begging for cars to rush by us and splash us. They're hydroplaning at like 46 miles an hour past us. And they're trying to get close to us. And we were like, you know, if, if a car came by, we're like, boo, if it didn't like get close enough, you know. And, and so um, there's this one truck, and he was like doing laps, you know. He like kept on coming back around. And we, I was holding this sign, and he came by so far or so fast that the water just shot up, and it blew my sign out of my hands. <laughs> It was so intense, and it was great. And at that point, I was like, I have really suspended wisdom on this case here. <laughs> this is actually terribly, this is an awful idea. This is not smart at all. And my wife, like, later was like, be careful, what if they lose control? Like, they're just hydroplaning, sweetie. They're in total control, you know? And so God never designed us to forsake wisdom has to be balanced. And likewise, have to, when we are pursuing wisdom, we can't forget that we have a God. John 8.47 Those who belong to God hears what God says. You can search for all the wisdom you want, but at the end of the day, you have to remind yourself that I'm still practical. I'm still going to seek wisdom. I'm still going to seek prudent instruction, but at the same time, I have a God Give us both for reasons. Second, this is seek an honest, everyone say honest, seek an honest examination of the. When your heart has a desire, it's important for you to seek an honest examination. How many know that it's really easy to like pass things along that you don't really want to like test? Like, like oh, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's perfect. 
But when we see that Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful, meaning that it's dishonest, untrue, we have to know that there's a motivation behind the heart that may not be exactly Specifically, this means that we should not always trust the source of the motivation. When the heart desires, when the heart yearns, when the heart creates inspiration, you can't just automatically trust wise because it says the devil does what as an angel of light? Even the devil masquerades as an angel of light. Meaning that if Satan is coming to you and he's got um, porch or uh, pitchfork, ponytail, all that stuff. I, I don't. I, I think he like dresses up in costumes, perhaps, because a lie has to be believable. It's far easier to masquerade as an angel of light and deceive Christians than it is to come by and scare a whole bunch of Christians in sin. But if Satan can confuse you that he's an angel of light, if he can confuse you about what is God's, what is he really saying, then he's got you. What this means is that the fundamental truth of Christ's life, if you haven't ever done Christ's life, it's that just because you feel it, it doesn't make it. Just because you feel it, it doesn't make it. What we think we know about God may not be God at all. Check out this second. His divine power has granted us all things. Everyone say all things. His divine powers grant us all things pertaining to life and godliness according to the true knowledge. True knowledge of God. Why does it make that distinction? Because we can be fooled into knowledge that isn't. This whole entire year was about redeeming truth, about redeeming truth that actually weren't true. The difference between the truth back. The difference between truth and what God has like really had purpose for. And people expect black and white issues in the Bible. They expect God to have, they, they look at the, the scriptures as like a manual. Like I want to look in the manual, I want to find the index and a keyword search, and they, they look for God to be black and white, but they insist on living in the gray. For example, if I had a nickel for every single time someone been posting on my wall, hey, God doesn't condemn pot. What do you think? It's not in the Bible. Surely there's cannabis in the Garden of Eden. God made it. Therefore, it's good. You know, like, and, and so just because God doesn't condemn, it doesn't mean that he endorses it. And so I, I you know, if anybody's curious, about that, I can yap at you later about that. But the important thing is, is that people are looking for God to black and white. But he, the scripture says he's granted us all things life and that he's given us everything to make practical decisions to know the difference here's how you can check this you want to seek an honest examine honest examine the truth you go to someone trust say what I'm saying If you really want to have an honest examination, how many say, here's what I'm saying. Part of that is number this to put the feeling. Put the, the test. 
Most people are, um, they're scared, like, I don't want to test God. You know, like, thou shalt not test me. No one wants to, like, test God. But do you know what? The truth of God is actually designed to be tested. Remember 1 Peter 2? According to the true knowledge, that there's a factor of knowledge that some is true, not, some isn't true. So the truth of God is actually designed to be tested. Let me give you a couple examples. 1 John 4, 1. Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Test spirits. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A lot of us know that passage, right? You know what it says after? The product of having a transformed mind is so that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Some of you may be the first time seeing here, I never knew I was designed and meant to actually test God. We think we feel it, oh, it must be true. I won't test it. I, in my heart, and God speaks in my heart, it must be true. No, we're supposed to put it to the test. So how do you test a spirit? How do you, like, what does that practically mean for this? Let me give it to you, I think. Is that when you test the spirit behind a desire, when you test something that's in your heart, you test what the desire is producing in you. You don't test the desire. Sounds a little abstract. I'll get to it. You don't test the desire. You test what the desire is. It talks about the spirit of God. It says the fruit of the love, joy, right? Spirits produce Spirits result. There's an effect on you. The effect of the Holy Spirit in you is love. So it says, test the spirits, and we test our hearts. What does that mean? Is we have to look at what is my life producing with the presence of this desire. Are you producing anxiety? Are you reactionary all of a sudden? Are you thinking in in intimidating ways and thoughts, are you running from something? If so, then maybe you have a spirit of fear. You're running away from the storm of the decade. You might have a spirit. I'll stop beating. What if all of a sudden you have a desire and it's all about I have to impress them. Usually it's most likely someone in authority over you. Um, sometimes it's an allegiance to someone who's got a lot of money. I can't tell you how like, many times I've like, bent over backwards for somebody who had a lot of money, who had potential to make me really successful. It's amazing. It's amazing how many times I thought, oh, Jesus is calling me to this billionaire. It's amazing. That might be See, You don't look at, I'm being drawn to this person. You look at what is producing my life right now. My seeking his approval. That's what we need to test. What about being in a state of dissatisfaction and craving for material wealth? Does it involve the downfall of anybody else or the demise of someone else? Is there a motivation of the flesh? Then it might be a self so What we need to do is we need to like, the, the desire is the distraction. What happens to you in the pursuit of the desire is what needs to be tested. And if God, if if, if the enemy can confuse you to have your, your attention on what appears to be a noble desire, on a practical desire, but in reality, your heart, your life, your character 
is falling, then you know that that's a false spirit. The last is tension in your counsel. Be tension about what I've learned one of you is that people, when they're debating the desires of their heart, they become very selective. You can tell a decision that they're really insecure about by who they ask advice. The easy stuff, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it to Waterbury because he's going to tell me the truth. But if I really have something that's really important, I'm going to take it to Joe who's going to be with me. People, when they have a selfish desire, when their heart is lying to them, they will customize their counsel to people with them. It's really, really important that you surround yourself with people who are not impressed with Because people who are not impressed with you will actually tell you the truth. When you come and you're like, hey, here's what I'm seeing, and they're like, that's the dumbest thing. Oh, okay. Which, I, I actually do pretty well to that. But here's what I, I don't get. Well, I was thinking about this. That's a great idea. Well, maybe that's not a good idea. Oh, yeah, I think you're right, too. Like, that doesn't work for me. But so many of our relationships are either so shallow that people actually don't have wisdom, or they don't have the other word for manly... Um, they don't have the, shoot, the fortitude, thank you, something else, gosh. I've, I've been trying to watch my tongue. I said a couple of things last time that don't bode well for me. Um, people who don't have the fortitude or the, the spine, how about that? Spine, yeah, there we go. Who don't have the spine to tell you the truth. When was the last time you disagreed with somebody and it got you riled up? You don't have someone that kind of like produces a little bit of tension in your life about disagreement. You really don't have any challenging relationships. I don't get to the gym too often. By too often, I mean never. <clears throat> the way you get strong is to have The word says about our relationship, iron sharpens. Sounds so great. No sparks at all. No! Like, iron sharpening iron is like, it's kind of tough. It's brutal. It creates sparks. So you are actually designed to be in a spark-producing relationship. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not let me, like, gently tap you on the back towards love and good deeds. My wife's a horse veterinarian. Do you know what spurs are? Like, Ninja throwing stars on the back of your heels that you like dig in the sides of a horse. And it like makes the horse, that's what the scriptures say about let us spur one another on to love and Have someone in your relationship in your life that has some spurs on. They're not afraid to tell you the truth. So if you want to have any growth in your relationship with them, you want to have development in your personal if you actually want to look at a, a heart that has a tendency to lie, and lie often, if you want to avoid that, then probably the most important thing in here is to build relationships with people who love you enough and aren't impressed with you. Tell you the truth. And if you don't seek those people out, they're not going to appear magic. No one's going to be like, hey, I really want to come into your life and ruin your life and make it really No one's going to do that. 
And when you try and build relationships off of the moment of conflict, the context of that relationship will always be. You want to develop relationships with people who have wisdom, who have truth, who have a spine, eh? and they, you can start a relationship with them outside of all the thorny decisions you have to make. You're going to build trust and relationship because in the moment when you don't want to trust them, you need to believe you trust them because they're going to your relational history with them of knowing that this is a love-based relationship. They, they like me, they love me, but they're not impressed with me. Right now, they're giving me a dose of something I do not like. You have to, at that point, stand and trust the counsel of people who are also called. No one has an exclusive license of voices. These are the principles for which I try and examine my desire. But maybe you have misheard God. Maybe you have misheard God. Maybe you've wandered off into a territory and you feel like you've been so far lost on being lied to. What do you do? I came this close, like fully ruined my future many, many times. Now, what if you're in that position? What if you're like, man, I just, I totally messed up my entire passage. It says, whether, and we don't have it up here. Look at me. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears hear a voice behind you. This is whether you turn to the right or to the left your ears will hear a voice people want this like what is the single path I go with Jesus what is the absolute one answer what is that, that one thing and, and they, people agonize over making a wrong decision and you know the scriptures say whether you turn to the right or to the left which first off means that there are, you have the freedom to turn to the right or the left but the second part is like, no matter what you do, maybe you were supposed to turn left and you turned right. Scriptures say, hear a voice. Meaning, if you have found yourself on this crazy deep and you've found yourself totally lost, the promises of God are to say, this is the way walk. You're not so far lost, you have to give up. God will always out of places you want to no matter how messed up, no matter how far you got off the reservation, no matter what, his word promises that in that time when you are far outside the boundaries, that doesn't give you, I don't know what does. I like, I, I love things about um, the state of our society of culture, what like smartphones have like done to our lives. Um, you realize that no one is ever bored anymore. Like, things just vanish. Like, if it's like a three-minute line to, like, get into whatever, order constant. I'm fascinated by this. The note, anybody remember, like, printing off map quest sheets? Am I just the only person that's old enough for that? What would you do? Like, I missed the exit, and you'd have to, like, turn around, go back, and, like, retrace your, like, you just, like, I just lost 30 minutes because I have to go back to that freeway. 
Where now, like, if you go off, like, all of a sudden you look at your phone, it's like, recalculating, and now you have a pathway forward. It goes on some side street. Crazy. That is what this passage means. The Holy Spirit for you, no matter what you do, he is designing his voice for you to hear. You see the choice left to right, and if you make a wrong decision, he's going to give you that GPS direction, guidance out. Be really important. So, you know, in order for you to have a start with, but I'm not necessarily so much. But I just wanted to back that guys playing. Um, as they come, I'm going to ask her, is that your someone private? Is anyone that their life? That's like, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to walk up. But I am going to ask you to raise your Bible says, so is there anybody who wants to talk? So if you guys want to stand, uh, we're going to ask our, our prayer team to come up. We are going to pray with you tonight. We're also going to party with you tonight. So if you want to need prayer, stay at the front. If you want to talk, go to the back. Because uh, we're a uh, ministry that believes that talking and partying is as important as praying. Sometimes more so. So that's heresy for some of you. And happy to deliver that. <laughs> Having fun. Really the essence. Joy is the essence. So we're going to spend some time in worship at the front and going to socialize in the back. Whatever you need tonight, please come up and let us serve you in prayer. Bless you.